Last week we were in 1 Timothy and we read about the requirements for what an elder is supposed to be like. And we, we were looking particularly at one requirement, which is that the elder must have a good reputation with those outside the church. This week I want to turn to Acts chapter 5, and we're going to look at a similar passage, uh, more practical and less, less theoretical. It's sort of an application of that requirement to the rest of the church. Now, in Acts chapter 5, we're going to be reading verses 12 through 16. And just prior to this is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, if you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira, they were were a couple who were in the New Testament church, and they were jealous of... Barnabas Barnabas had sold a piece of property and given the money to the apostles for use of the church. And they were jealous of him because of what? The presumably the approval of man. They they liked the uh they liked to think that they could have some of that approval for themselves and so they also sold a piece of property. They wanted that approval, and so they brought the money and they put it before the feet of the apostles, but they didn't bring the whole amount. Now, as Peter points out to them, that's not a problem. It's their money, and they can do what they want with it. Sometimes we wonder whether we have anything like that left, and the more... The more socialist that we go, the less it seems like it's our money and we can do what we want with it, right? But after taxes and after giving to Caesar what is Caesar's, and you're left with a decision, and that's what you're going to do with what's yours. And so the problem with Ananias and Sapphira is they lied. They lied, and Peter says they didn't just lie to the apostles or lie to the people in the church to try to get that honor and that recognition for their good deed of selling a property and giving the money to the church. The problem was really they were were lying to God. Now, at that point, God strikes them dead. And they are buried. And that's what happens right before this passage. And so let's, let's read it. And let's see the, the connection to last week's, te- last week's text where, uh, where we saw that elders have to have a good reputation with those outside the church. And, and then here we see the the question of reputation with those outside the church for the whole church. So please stand for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. 
At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem, and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number, to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So through Peter, God struck down Ananias and Sapphira publicly in the sight of all. And then in this passage, God, through Peter, is publicly healing multitudes of people, those who are sick, those who had demons. And in both cases, it's not Peter doing this miraculous work, right? He's clear, the passage is clear, and also he is clear himself when questioned elsewhere in Acts that it's through the, the name of Jesus Christ that these miraculous deeds are done. And so we have two contrasts set up, both of them sort of resolving around this text and, and Peter. Ananias and Sapphira, the hypocrites, in, in just prior to this, were contrasted with Barnabas, right? So the hypocrites are totally different from Barnabas, even though they both sold property and brought money for the use of the church. Barnabas is the encourager of the brethren, And part of that is obviously through his giving, right? Whereas Ananias and Sapphira are hypocrites. They want to be known as encouragers. And so they do things to try to be known as encouragers, but instead they end up doing damage to the church and they end up being struck down for it. Here in our passage, we see another description of the power of God, but this time it's God's power for mercy rather than for judgment. There's all kinds of mercy being shown in this passage to the wider world. And so just as there will always be both hypocrites and encouragers, we must also always have both mercy and judgment. There's always going to be hypocrites. There's always going to be encouragers. And there's always going to be a need for us to judge hypocrisy and show mercy to those who aren't being hypocrites. Right? That is to encourage those who are weak and sick. 
So here's the strange thing. Through these contrasts, what you see is that those who are healed, it focuses on those who are outside the church. You see, it was people from the surrounding regions, the towns and so forth, coming and laying, the, laying people in the streets so that even Paul's, Peter's shadow would fall on them so that they would be healed. If they were in the church, they wouldn't be doing that, right? They'd be coming directly to him as, as part of the body. There'd be no need for it to be uh, sort of an incidental passing by that Peter was doing. And on the other side, we see that the people who were judged were those who were what? Inside the church. Ananias and Sapphira were inside the church. Those who claimed to be a part of the body. Those who claimed to be holy. So 1 Peter 4.17 says, For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So it begins in the church, but what what he then goes on to say is it doesn't end there, does it? If judgment begins in the household of faith, if it begins in the church, the household of God, then what about when the, when the gospel goes forth and the, the watching world sees the miracles that Peter was able to perform, sees the healing, sees the fruit within the church body, and refuses to repent. He says, he asks this rhetorical question, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And of course the answer is, it will not go well for them. It will be bad. They will be judged as well, and their judgment will be just. So the people at this time, are seeing the works of God performed through the apostles, through the church. And they recognized it. You see, even while Jesus, um, before he was crucified, he's performing all of these miraculous signs, and we were just reading... uh, I think it was in our family devotions not too long ago. And Jesus asks, I've done many good things. Which one of them are you stoning me for? Why does he have to ask that? Well, because they've become very angry with him and they're they're trying to kill him. They're trying to stone him. And his point is, you have seen what I do You've seen the miraculous power of God displayed. You know what I am. You recognize what's going on, and yet you are angry and and trying to kill me. You've not just seen the miraculous power, but you've seen that 
that the works that are being done are good. Who objects to the blind receiving sight, to the lame being able to walk, right? Who objects and says, oh, it's a shame, so-and-so got healed last week, should have left him suffering for the next 25 years, right? Nobody, Nobody thinks this way. And the reason is because we know that it's good. These are good works. It's the same with these works that Peter is performing. And yet, it comes immediately after Ananias and Sapphira are struck down dead. And so, it says that many of them, the people outside the church, would not associate with the church. Why? Because being a part of the true church of God requires sacrifice. They saw people like Barnabas selling their land, giving of their money and their possessions, them all sharing what they had in in, in need and, and whatever extra that they had went to other people. And so Peter is clear with Ananias and Sapphira, you didn't have to sell it. You didn't have to give all of what, you, all of what the, the sale price was, but when you claimed you were giving all of it, that was the problem. And yet, here's the thing, and this, is, this happens to us this happens to us all the time. We see somebody do something good, and then we feel bad about ourselves. Right? We see somebody do something good, and then we feel bad about ourselves. And why do we feel bad about ourselves? Sometimes it's because we know that that's what we should be doing. Other times it's because we think that that's what we should be doing. <laughs> and we've got, to be able to, we've got to be able to judge between those two things, right? So Ananias and Sapphira get it all wrong when they're going, well, you know, I have to get that, I have to appear good in the eyes of other people by pretending to do the same thing. And there are other people who were outside the church and who saw the sacrifice that Barnabas made, and they were going, well, I know that that's what I should be doing. I know that I should be sharing. I know that I should be generous. I know that I should be caring for those who are in need, and I don't want to. I don't really care whether people see me as doing it or not. I just don't, I'm not going to do it. And so they're wrong for not selling their property, not giving it to the apostles, not joining themselves to the true church, right? They're wrong for not being imitators of Barnabas, the encourager of the brethren. Whereas Ananias and Sapphira are wrong for pretending to imitate him.
And so after Ananias and Sapphira were struck down, you had a, a, a real clear line drawn. Okay, there's no faking it here. This is not something that you can join up with because you kind of like the, the movement that's going on. But you don't actually want to be a part of it. You just kind of want to go with the flow. There's no faking it here. Either you are a part of it, either you are giving yourself to the work that the apostles were calling people to, the work of the gospel, or you didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so they, they feared to associate with them. Why would you fear to associate with them? Well, because you didn't want to be, you didn't want to appear accidentally even to be one of the fakers. Because you just saw what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, right? And yet, there are all of these signs, and they want to benefit from all of the good that's going on in the church. Not just, you know, that everyone was sharing what in, in common and what they had need of was being provided by the apostles through the, the rest of the saints. Not just the healing. Not just the miracles. But what? All of the good. There were many signs and wonders taking place, but they were also all living with one accord. And, and that living with one accord, that's another miraculous sign, right? That there was peace among this gigantic and growing rapidly group of people. And so they see that following after Jesus Christ, there is a cost to it. They see that joining themselves to the people of God, there is a cost to it. There is an expectation for what it will mean for your life. And that expectation is not about Sunday morning. You get what I'm saying? The, the expectation is that this is a life-altering event that you are giving yourselves to the work of being a follower of Jesus Christ with your whole life. There's no being Ananias and Sapphira. That's the Sunday morning faking it, right? Yeah, I show up every week. Yeah, I, yeah no, I, uh, I go through the motions whenever there are people watching who would care about whether I was a quote-unquote Christian. Yeah, yeah, I go to church when mom and dad are in town. Or I go to church when I go visit them and pretend like I go every week. You know what I'm talking about? This is the, the hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira. We, we want to limit it to the hypocrisy of lying and saying you gave more than you did. or you know. But really, there's, there's a million ways to be hypocrites and pretend to be united to the church of Jesus Christ, pretend to be followers of Jesus Christ. And what I want you to see here is that there is, there's no separating being a Christian 
from being a part of the church in Acts. There's no separating following Jesus and being being one with the rest of the church, having one accord with them, it says in Solomon's portico. So those their gatherings, right? That's where they got together. What you don't see in this passage is a description of the people who uh, saw what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, saw the miracles that the apostles were performing, and then said, yeah, I'm going to be a follower of that Jesus guy, and then started up their own movement someplace else. You you don't see them starting up a a parachurch organization. You don't see them starting up, um, you know, a... uh, an NGO, to meet the needs of the poor. Why? Well, because the way you met the needs of the poor, the way you did, the, the way you participated in all of the good fruit of the church was by being a part of the church. That's what you see here. And, and that's what the question was before everybody, that they were like, either you're in or you're out. Either you're a part of it or you're not a part of it. Either you're giving yourself to that work like Barnabas was, or you're not. You, you, there's, there's, there's none of this Ananias and Sapphira like pretending to be a part of it. And yet, it was not only the church that benefited. It was not only the people in the church who were benefiting from the work of the church. Most obviously because the preaching was going forth publicly And many were coming to faith and joining themselves to the body, right? But also, many outside were being healed. And so if you think about the work of the church, the work of the church is not limited to us here benefiting one another. The work of the church goes forth in power through the proclamation of the word to others. So we declare through our words, through preaching, through teaching, through conversations that each of us has with others, and also through our actions. And those actions are not limited to loving and caring for one another, although that is clearly the first priority, right? But also, there is the benefit even to those that the shadow falls on. That the church is transforming the culture is how I would put it today, right? That, that when, the, when the people of God are doing the work of God, that anybody who's nearby, the shadow falls on them. And they begin to receive benefit from it. It's a very sweet thing. And one of the ways that this happens is that the, the church lives in holiness. The church lives in obedience to the commands of God. And then what happens is those who are outside and who are living in disobedience, enslaved to the lusts of the flesh and, and, and their, their own sins, okay, they begin to feel ashamed of their sin. And that's a gift, That's that's the shadow falling on them. 
They don't even have to, you, you, they don't even have to have heard the gospel for that shadow to fall on them and for them to be affected positively for it, from it. And so being a part of the church is to be a follower of God. And it, being a part of the church, the church of God, is to, is to give yourself sacrificially to others. And being a part of the church of God is to be a part of that, that wider work that's going on that's benefiting the rest of the world and that is so attractive that people can't help but come and, 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 and receive those benefits and then face that decision of whether or not they, they are going to be a part of the work, whether or not they are going to put their faith in God. And to put their faith in God is to make that, that same, to go through those same steps, to become giving of themselves sacrificially, to, to not be hypocritical, to submit themselves to the church and, and the authorities that God has placed over the church. In, in particular, at that time, it was Peter and the apostles, right? There wasn't any ability. I'm, I'm returning to a point I've already made. But you know, let, let me just say it again. You couldn't follow Jesus without placing yourself under the apostles. There wasn't any, well, you know, I really liked that Jesus guy and all the good works that he did and all of those miracles that he did and so forth, but that Peter guy, he killed those, he killed those people. He's kind of judgmental. You see the temptation there, right? I'm going to be a follower of Jesus outside the church. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus not under that Peter guy, not under the apostles, not all in one accord with everybody else. Because those people, you know, they have to live differently. They're always making sacrifices. And and it's like, it's just an awful lot of pressure. Don't Don't ever be apologetic for the fact that your life and the way you live it as you're following God puts pressure on other people. That's the shadow falling on them. Now I know in the in the text the shadow falls on them and they're and they're healed, right? But that is that that's what's going on when when they see that 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 they're attracted they see the good fruit that comes in your life but then they don't they don't necessarily feel like they want to have anything to do with the church they don't necessarily like they're afraid to associate why well they don't want to make those same sacrifices themselves they don't want there to be this contrast between them and their hypocrisy and Barnabas and his, and his actual encouraging of the brethren. And so those who won't place themselves under 
the authority of the church and the church's leaders are refusing God's authority. And they're not added to the number. They won't add, they won't join the work of God. But even those who wouldn't believe in the Lord held the church in high esteem. And this is where the connection comes to our to, to our passage from last week, where the elders are supposed to have a good reputation with those outside the church. So it is with the whole church. The whole church is supposed to have a good reputation. The whole church should be held in high esteem. And so, over and over again, you run into people who, who will say things to you um, that will make you feel awkward as you follow God. Because what they'll, they'll try to give you credit somehow for what God has done in your life. All right? And it, that ought to make you feel awkward. And I want, you to, I want you to begin to sort of process those situations through this text. By understanding this text, I think you'll have a better idea how to, how to handle when people say to you, well, you, you know, the, the most explicit being, well, you must be a saint. I could never, and, and fill in the blank, I could never have three kids, four kids, five kids, whatever, you know. I, I, I've, uh, you, you must really be something. I just had a guy say this to us last week. He's got one, one daughter and a hard life. And he's like, man, you, I've I got to give it to you. That's... That's impressive. <laughs> okay, well, you know, like, yeah, I've done, yeah, yep, yep, me, I'm, I'm great. Is that, of course not, you know. Is that what you see in this passage with, with Barnabas? Barnabas is the contrast to Ananias and Sapphira, right? Barnabas is the encourager of the brother. It's, it's Ananias and Sapphira who are going for that precise result. They're looking for people to pat them on the back and be like, wow, you must be such a saint. I could never teach second grade. Well, I personally could never teach second grade, I don't think, unless God... Gives me some, some new skills, some new gifts, right? But some people, God has given those gifts to. And so I can look at them and I can say, you are amazing. And I can say that in the church, and I do say that. I'm so thankful to each of you who have been given different gifts than me. Because where would we be if we were all like me? It would be terrible. But it would also be terrible if we were all like you. Right? Right? Yes, we got some. <laughs> it would be. And so, at that point, we're beginning to realize that even within the church, we like to do this giving and taking credit to the individual rather than to God who gave the gifts in the first place. 
right? I'm nothing special. God has given gifts. You're nothing special. God has given gifts. And so, yes, you, you, are, you actually are special in the way that, um, really in, the way, in, in a lot of ways, in the way that the world thinks of special. Even those who are, who, who are um, special through their lacking of gifts. Right? We talk about them being part of the body and needing to be covered. And that, that God is honored through the body appropriately treating one another in the, in the different pieces and parts of the body. Some parts are supposed to stay inside. But when they need surgery, you, you open it up and, and you, you do work on them. But you, you, you get them back in there. Right? And that's the way it is with us. When you know, Some of us are more publicly presentable than others. But not by the world's standards do we judge publicly presentable. By God's standards. The body is made into the beautiful, pure, spotless bride of Christ according to his commands, according to his standards. And he is the one who is said to be doing the work. And so he receives the glory for each of our individual gifts and each of our individual sacrifices that we make. Because even when you have the gifts to teach second graders, it's still a sacrifice to do that. Especially in a culture that speaks as though there's so many more important, better things that you could be doing with your time than raising kids or than teaching or than, you know, that you could be out in the corporate world making a fortune or making a name for yourself or, you know, you start judging by what the world thinks is important and, the, and then nothing makes sense in the body of Jesus Christ at that point if we start judging that way. But on the flip side, when the world looks at you and they see you teach second grade and it's like, you must be a saint. <laughs> They're recognizing the work of God. And so you say, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what a saint is, right? You don't, you don't, you know, I don't mean you should take glory to yourself. I mean you should give all the glory to God. Because the, the, the watching world holds the church in high esteem. The church was known even in the surrounding cities for its mercy to those who had physical needs. The world doesn't have any mercy for the guy who sits in, at the, at, in front of the synagogue every single day asking for money as you walk by. You know what I'm saying? 
And so do we as a church have any compassion for those who are suffering? Are we known for our compassion for those who are suffering? Are we known for respecting and submitting to the authorities that God has placed over his people? Are we known for the sacrifices that we make for the body? There were many, many people who saw God's hand at work. Some of them believed, many of them believed, and were added to the number. Others did not believe, and their judgment is just. Now, we see God's hand at work in various ways today through the church. Through discipline, through judgment, and through mercy. Remember I said at the beginning, we have to have, we we cannot lose judgment And we cannot lose mercy. The church must always have both of those. And through both of those, the watching world sees and they fear when there's judgment. And through through both of those, they, they see and they rejoice when there's mercy. And they still fear. And so really, we and the watching world have two options when we see God's hand at work. Either we can flee from him or we can flee to him. Fleeing from him looks like not wanting to have anything to do with his church, not wanting ever to be compared to other people in the church, right? Not having yourself, not wanting to stand next to somebody else because how would you compare to them? That's just running away from God because it doesn't matter how you compare to anybody else. That's Ananias and Sapphira's way of thinking. How do we compare to Barnabas? But fleeing to him looks like embracing his people. And when we do that, then we see their good deeds and we don't think, well, that reflects poorly on me because I'm not doing as good in that area. Instead, we think, praise God for the work that he's doing in their life. I want to to be like that. I want to become obedient in that area too. I want to sacrifice in that way too. I want to grow in that way too. And we just rejoice with one another as we produce fruit. And, it's, and that's why there's one accord. <laughs> but the moment, that, the moment that we begin to be jealous of one another, well, you know, he's doing well. As though that's like somehow miserable to you. 
Well, then there's no, there's no unity. There's not, there's not one accord with one another. And so we see these choices in our own lives. Every week, you see your own sin. You see your own success. You see people wanting to, wanting to compare themselves to you and not simply wanting to give themselves to God. You see it in your own life, your own choices. Some will reject this church for fear of what it would mean for them to join. Think about that. If this is a true church, that's a true statement. Some will reject this church for fear of what it would mean for them to join. either because they're afraid that they will be ex- their, their hypocrisy will be exposed or because they are afraid of the sacrifices that it would require of them or because they are afraid to ever put themselves under any authority and others will be added to our number with great joy That is also a true statement. (laughs) If this is a true church, we will see people added to this body with great joy. And regardless, if we are obedient, then others outside the church of God will hold us in high esteem for our good works. And when that happens you have to make clear to them that that is because you are a part of Christ's church. That's how how you're united to him. That's where that good work comes from. You can't take the glory for yourself. You can't be Ananias and Sapphira. But you can. You can be a part of the light shining into darkness. And it's a sweet and beautiful thing. And yes, it's sad when people refuse to come into the body. Yes, it's sad when they face that choice of running to God or running from God, and they run from him. But don't give up hope. Because remember, he is the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He also leaves the 99 and goes after the sheep that's running away. So don't give up hope. Don't become morose and depressed when you see people walking away. But instead, pray. Because if God is able to make all those believers live together in unity at that time, 
then he's able to make the same thing happen again today. Let's pray.